Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. Cha-ching. It's more than we did a hard will. You know, I'll put in the iron list. It's fine. Anyway, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is uh, Whitney Seibold. For the purposes of the purposes of this particular podcast, you may call me Rockmeister McCool. The, the cha-ching thing was more like cash register. Like, uh, yeah, we're uh, here. Usually when we do our podcast, The Iron List, we recently uh, put right. out an episode where we talked about the best live-action G-rated movies of all time, which was a surprisingly interesting episode. Uh, we, uh, uh, you usually comment... Mm. On the sound effect we use for the Iron List, which is yeah. kind of like a clanging noise. Yeah, yeah. But you you usually make a comment that sounds just like that. Oh, okay. So, anyway. Uh, you know, I just, I'm not going to put clang, in the harp. Yeah. I'm going to put in the clang. It'll right. be fun. Doesn't get enough, it doesn't get enough use, that clang. Anyway, this is We've Got Mail. Uh, We've Got Mail is the podcast where you control the conversation. Here's how it works. You email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And uh, you ask us anything you want. You can ask us uh, about stuff you're interested in, the entertainment the history, the industry, how film criticism works. You can uh, ask us uh, to uh, tell us a little bit about ourselves. You can take us to task for things that we've said if you mm-hmm. vehemently disagreed with a review of ours. Um, anything you want. If you have, you have something uh, personal to share about something that we've discussed in any of our podcasts that maybe we overlooked, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at critically acclaimed. Dot net. Or, if you would prefer, we do have a P.O. Box. Yeah, send us an actual physical letter. Send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Do that today. Thank you. Uh, we actually don't have any of those letters today. No but physical we letters. we do have a lot of emails. Plenty and, of emails. And uh, we missed an episode last week because there was a lot of complications. We had to record remotely, and we were able to record mm. fewer episodes of everything than usual. But we are back, well, and we're, we're going to try this again. We're here, here doing some letters anyway, so uh, here comes our first letter. You ready? You ready for it? Here it comes. Uh, God, I hope uh, so. This one comes from Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Um, hello, Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. I haven't written in for a while. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you did again. Thank you. Uh, but I have a pressing issue I'm hoping you can address. Okay. I recently watched His Girl Friday ah. for the first time, and I have some real problems with the story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually not a big fan of His Girl we're, Friday. We're going to talk uh, about this because I actually recently rewatched it myself. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my main issue boils down to the fact that I find Walter, the Cary Grant character, to be a horrible person who doesn't care for Hildy, Rosalind Russell, but somehow gets everything he wants in the end and suffers no comeuppance for his actions. Simultaneously, Hildy is lauded as a strong female character who gets what she wants and takes no prisoners. However, I feel like her character caves in and doesn't achieve any goals as stated at the beginning of the film. And let's not get started with Bruce, Ralph Bellamy, Mm. a wholly good person who gets used up, robbed, arrested, and has his reputation with his new job tarnished. I find this to be a deeply sinister film with, uh, with one of at least one of the least happy endings possible. My, uh, my question is, do you feel differently about the film, and why do a lot of people treat it as a very fun, happy film when it doesn't follow those typical tropes? Mm. Also worth noting that if Hildy didn't want to settle down and leave the industry, and then she is being very cruel to Bruce, and the writing could have established that more clearly. Uh, 
Plenty of people have a knack for something and don't use those skills professionally. Sorry for rambling on, but I don't have anyone else to discuss this topic with. Hope you can help. <laughs> and also thank you so much for all that you do. It's, it is truly appreciated. Sincerely, Thomas. Uh, thank you for writing in, Thomas. Uh, for people who may not be familiar with this film, His Girl Friday is often considered one of the better comedies of the, ni- well, the 1940s, actually. It came out in 1940. It was almost said 1930s, but mm. it came out in 1940. It is a remake of a film that came out in the early 1930s called the front page the front page is a movie about uh, two hard-nosed newspaper reporters one of whom is leaving the industry and if newspaper reporters it's always a fast-paced lifestyle Mm -hmm. even today Uh, at the time though it was real go-getter and like everyone was basically you you didn't have time for love or family you had time to get the story get the scoop rah rah a 24-hour job. Yeah, exactly. And there's a certain type of personality that is attracted to that kind of thing. And the front page was about one such reporter who had decided to give it up. It's too much stress, not enough reward. He wants to go settle down somewhere. And his boss manipulates his like last day on the job so that he cannot leave. Something always happens want, and forces him to... to get, like, I think the the goal of the boss is to not just get one more job out of this guy, but, but, but to, to convince him convince to stay him in the that, industry. Like this is what he's best at. Yeah, and this it's uh, it's it's basically a story about being a workaholic and that being aided and abetted by a shitty boss. But uh, in it, that it came out during the depression, work yeah. ethic was was being approached. Work ethic has always been approached differently throughout history. I totally get it, but regardless, looking at it today, it's it's not a healthy relationship. There's an element. Of sinister is maybe not the right word, but there's an element of cynicism to it. Mm. Um, and uh, that movie, which has its humor but isn't especially funny, uh, was later remade at the uh, in 1940 uh, by Howard Hawks, uh, and he had the idea to switch the gender of one of the leads mm. so that the reporter who's trying to leave the life is played by Rosalind Russell. Rosalind Russell, who is one of the great actors of her time, one of the great comedians of her time. If you ever get a chance to see a film called The Women, she is beyond funny in it. She played the title character in Auntie Mame, which is one of my favorite films. She is an icon. Uh, She plays the reporter who's trying to get away. Cary Grant plays her boss, but also, if memory serves, her husband, and she's trying to get a divorce Mm. so that she can go and marry a nice normal rather boring man played by ralph bellamy but not not a a reporter and that's the important yeah like she's gonna leave the life she's gonna be and she she wants to be kind of like she wants to be like a housewife she wants to have this sort of more conventional lifestyle carrie grant is not convinced that that's for her and decides to do what happened in the front page. Which is which something is, he's decided for himself, oh yeah. by the way. Oh, yeah, he has. And you, there's an argument to be made, like there's an interpretation where she's lying to herself and he knows her better than that. It's kind of a, a bitter thing to put in a movie, but in mm-hmm. any case. Uh, so, much like the front page, he manipulates this like last day. It's like, listen, there's a guy on death row... People, he's getting railroaded by the governor, and he's not going to get the stay of execution that he deserves. And then he escapes, and he needs Hildy 
for one last job, and he is going to, cover, to make to sure... cover this story as it's breaking right yeah. now. And he's going to make sure that Ralph Bellamy never gets it, <laughs> never talks to her after the morning, after breakfast, basically, just to make sure that she is once again immersed in the life that they had together, so that she will once become once again addicted to it. And then over the course of the film, she realizes, or is perhaps <laughs> coerced into abandoning Ralph Bellamy, getting back with Cary Grant. And the the final scene is actually like, it's not triumphant. It's not like okay, we're together and you know we're workaholics, but like we like it like this. This is the way we are. This is the people mm. we are. She wants more affection. She still wants more. You know, maybe she, she wants still more wants Ralph Bellamy. In well, her she wants life, she, she wants more. She wants at the very least she wants Cary Grant to be more like Ralph Bellamy. Mm. And Cary Grant is not going to give her any of that. And you can tell that that's not mm. going to be happy. Um. Now, the suge- it's never suggested that they just enter into a thruple scenario. No, Russell and Russell just gets them both. No, that's was, that's the that plot of a, a that's the plot of a movie called Design for Living. Which <laughs> yeah, okay. is actually a thruple romantic comedy star. Hold on, who was who was in that? It was I, I accidentally searched IMDb for thruple. thruple. <laughs> no, that's, that's a Lubitsch film, right? Design is uh, it is Frederick March, oh, uh, Gary Cooper, and uh, the great Miriam Hopkins? And yeah, it's an Ernst Lubitsch film. Okay, and uh, two men love the same woman and uh, af- after a while after a bit of infighting they just say what if we just make it work why do we, why do we have to choose who, who's, who hurts who's, like whose rules are these yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's still light years ahead of its time that movie it's really really great um yeah that never enters into the possibility a lot of romantic comedies never seriously consider the possibility of polyamory which would solve a lot of problems uh i think his Girl Friday is an interesting example of a movie that is often considered a romantic comedy, but I don't think it is. I think it is actually a workplace comedy with a mm. with a foregrounded romantic element that that the movie, again, cynically, doesn't fully believe in. I I, I, I think. It's definitely a, a, a workplace comedy because that's presaged by the movie it's remaking. The, the front yeah. page, the main characters kind of fall away from that story after a while, and it becomes yeah. more about the plot. Sort of this, the, well, the plot and the characters, like the mass of reporters all working together. Yeah, yeah. Well, because uh, that was based on a play, and so a lot of it takes place in like a bullpen. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's a, a lot of these wide shots. A lot of these characters who look yeah. very similar and talk very similar, just sort of like running around and having conversations. Uh, so all of the reporters essentially kind of merge in that. That one, yeah, uh, by design. That wasn't uh, that's yeah. Not it's, a an ensemble, it's more of an ensemble than yeah, and, uh, than uh, the remake. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, the front page is my big issue with the front page mm. is the the same as as our listener. Uh, I I see no reason for Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell to be attracted to each other. They say right mm. at the start, "We're not good for each other. We've broken up." And my thinking is. Good. Yeah. Stay you're, apart. You're not good together. The, I, I have no... Maybe you'd be good as, like, people working in the same environment if that's both what you wanted, mm. but you're not actually a healthy relationship mm. in any situation. Like, you, you and, can and make the argument mm. that, like, bringing a baby, Carrie Grant and Catherine Hepburn, mm. they don't have the healthiest relationship, but at the very least, they kind of complement each other. Here, they're kind of bringing out the worst of each other the entire movie. Well, and they've already already come to the conclusion that they're not good for each other. Yeah. She's moved on. Yeah. Th- this is, like, something that happens after the end of a, a previous mm. story. Yeah. And now they're trying to bring 
the original story back. And I have no reason to believe in, in the movie or mm-hmm. just by dint of their movie stardom yeah. that they should end up for, together for any reason. Yeah. So the sort of forced romance plot is really uncomfortable, yeah. especially given that the backdrop should probably be a little bit more terse. Because it is about this, like, characters on death row, yeah. and we're trying to, you know, actually track down it, a criminal. This is a life and, or death story, and, and that the criminal has nothing ends up, to do like, with their hiding romance. out yeah. at, the, at the newspaper. It's like, yeah. that's, like, a good thriller plot. There oh, shouldn't yeah. be a romantic that, element That's a John Grisham story. Yeah. yeah. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I see what you mean. I think, I think some people respond to His Girl Friday as almost, like, an antidote to, rom- to romantic comedies. Uh, there's a certain saccharine quality to a lot of romantic comedies, even in the 1930s, mm. uh, where everything is just light and and sweet, and everything's going to be okay, and it's very easy to bring cynicism into the theater with you. Mm. And a lot of people reject romantic comedies for that specific reason. They're specifically designed to be non-threatening and reassuring, which is why a lot of people like them. Mm. That's their form of escapism. That's what they like right now. And that's a perfectly valid form of entertainment. It's a great genre, and I love it. Um, but I agree that I think I think the, the decision to remake the front page with a twist and completely sort of reframe the storyline uh, is a, a, a device that was very, very clever, and I think a lot of people really responded to it. I think it is fair to say that Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell are both very good at what they're doing in the movie, mm. and a lot of people respond to that. There's certainly a lot of witticisms in it. But I think a lot of the uh, of the appreciation of His Girl Friday is because of its bitterness, is because of its cynicism. Mm-hmm. And I, but however, I actually agree. Rewatching the movie relatively recently, uh, I found myself kind of frustrated by it because it's it's one of those movies which is centered around a romance. And even though you could argue that the cynicism is the point. I can't root for it. Mm. And it's not even in a way where it's like, these assholes deserve each other. It's like, <laughs> no, Rosalind Russell is just getting the short end of the stick here. Mm. And I find that frustrating. Well, and Ralph, I, Ralph Bellamy especially is getting well, the short end of the stick. <laughs> I, I, one gets the, I do get the impression, however, in, in the defense of Ralph Bellamy, uh, that Hildy probably wouldn't have been super satisfied over a long amount of time. I think she would have gotten no. stir-crazy eventually. But the problem with the movie is it never gives us that. No. I, I guess that Ralph Bellamy isn't used to her fast-paced lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, what's a... This might be a strange thing to compare it to, mm. but Twister, the, the, Actually, the Yon Debont movie. No, that's a perfect um, there's example. A, there's a, one Bill Paxton wants to wants yeah. to is going to uh, break up with Helen Hunt. Mm. He's going to quit and becoming like a TV weatherman, and he brings his new fiance or girlfriend. It's a fiance. They're, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, 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 already. That's right. That's why he fiance. needs. That's why he needs Helen Hunt to sign that. It's, 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 yeah, sign the divorce shit, papers. That's a remake of His Girl Friday. It kind of is, yeah. Oh my god! It's just, it's, instead of a criminal, it's the Twister. Helen Hunt is Cary Grant and Bill Paxton is Rosalind Russell and... Oh my god. <laughs> oh my okay, god. I, I How did I those ju- I want to watch those films back you to You even back got now. that big ensemble bullpen with like mm-hmm. Phil Seymour Hoffman and Alan Ruck. <laughs> Holy shit. So yeah, so Twister, <gasps> Twister, the Bill Paxton character, is trying to leave this high pressure environment. Yeah, literally, literally, uh, yeah, air pressure <laughs> environment in his case. You know what? Uh, his girl, His Girl Friday uh, doesn't have like the Carrie Elwes character, like the evil rivals 
in their field. Yeah, but Carrie Elwes is really not that important in that movie. He, no, he but literally, he's an element. He or... literally only exists in that film so that there's a character they can kill towards the end that we don't have a lot of sympathy for. Well, and also to uh, highlight the personalities of the Storm Chasers. Uh-huh. It's like, we're, we're kind of like the scrappy, low-tech team. Uh-huh. And they're like the really well-muddied team that does a doesn't do it right. They don't follow their gut. They use their technology, man. Yeah, it's, That's it's, so cool. It's, That's me, cool. It's, it's maybe like the limpest... <laughs> Like, like villainy, like, and what, wh- why is he a bad guy? He's also trying to like save people's lives by like finding out more about tornadoes. And it's like, yeah, well, he has a lot of but money. He's sold out. He's man. sold out, man. And, oh, there's no, he's care- sold out. who's going to make money off of this? <laughs> like, we're all just going to, like, it makes no sense. It's ridiculous. I'm just completely having my mind, but I really want to organize a double, twi- a double feature of Twister and His Girl Friday now. Yeah, that'd be great. That's actually. an amazing thing. So, yeah. Really pitch that too. Holy shit! Uh, uh, yeah, nobody I, steal I'm, this. Still... I'm leaving it in the podcast, but nobody steal it. <laughs> I'm I'm still on the payroll at the New Beverly Cinema, and they do okay. double features. So maybe if I could pitch a double feature of his girl Fred and Twister, because they are the same. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, you're I right. Mean, that, I mean, it, the it, romance is, is actually more con- more convincing in Twister. Like well, I, I believe that Bill Paxton and uh, and Helen mm-hmm. Hunt like had a relationship in that movie. Well, and they actually have the, more oh, time in that one. They're actually yeah. like able to like have quiet moments together. Well, the and, plot and, and, and the, the fiance is, so is taken. Al- the fiance character is taken along in these like storm chasing expeditions. It's really noisy and yeah. dangerous, and you know cars yeah. are being sucked up into the sky. Cow. Uh, yeah, and then the cow flies by. The Another same cow, cow flies by. I think it's the same uh, cow. And. And she gets really terrified. Like she's clearly yeah. not fit this for is this not lifestyle. Her life. Yeah, yeah. And and in fact, there's a really funny line of dialogue where she's like crying in panic because they're in this high pressure situation. It's like uh, when, when you said you were, when you were when I you said you chased storms. I thought it was a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Oh, is it Amy Brenneman who was in? That? It wasn't Amy Brenneman. Was Amy... Uh, let me look up the name of the actress. Uh, um, but it definitely wasn't Amy Brenneman. Was it Melina Kanikarides? No, that's not no, right. it wasn't, no, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't Melina Kanikarides. It was someone cool. Um, I, like I'd seen her a bunch of movies. I just can't. Yeah, remember yeah, yeah. Right just, now. Oh God, it's gonna drive me up the wall. <laughs> who, who played the fiance? You can do it, buddy. I believe in you. Uh, it was Jamie Gertz. Oh, Jamie Gertz. The Jamie other, Gertz played the it. other Amy Brenneman. Okay, uh, <laughs> and, and the other and the other Melina Kanigarides. Um Fair enough. Uh, but in any case, to answer your question, uh, you don't have to like a movie just because it's considered a classic. Mm. It is perfectly okay to... Uh, first off, I appreciate you giving it a shot. I think everyone should try to at least watch older movies. And, you know, if they're not for you, fine. I, I would encourage you not to write them off just because they are have a different style or a different tone or a different pacing. And maybe try to immerse yourself into what movies were like at the time because it's a perfectly valid way of telling a story. But if, in the end, the story doesn't work for you because you don't buy into it, mm. I think this is a perfectly valid criticism of his Girl Friday. Again, I would argue that Howard Hawks was being very cynical about the romantic comedy, but that doesn't necessarily mean the movie works. Mm. Um, I, myself, admire a lot of elements of it, but having watched the front page and His Girl Friday within relatively close proximity of each other not that long ago, I think the front page is a slightly better film, but His Girl Friday has better performances. That's fair. Uh, the, yeah. Better better character work. Yeah, his girlfriend. Yeah, more um, memorable characters, that's yeah. for sure. But. I, I feel like the like that dark tone is is much better in the front page. Agreed. Um and uh and of course Twister is the best of all three. Twister is a damn good remake. 
God damn it. How did I not see that? That's amazing. And I'm 40 years old and I just figured that out. You know the screenwriter's like, um, what do we do with this friggin' Twister uh, movie? I don't know. Oh, his girl Friday. We'll just do that story. I, I guarantee you someone thought plug, of it. Yeah, they just plugged it right it's, in. It's, it's, not, it's like their easy way it out. It makes sense. Uh, it's perfect. Anyway, uh, uh, we should move on, but thank you for writing in. Thank you for writing in about a classic movie. That's really cool. Uh, this letter comes from The Pineapple. Love it. Oh, however you sign off your letter. That's how I'm going to nice. read it. Uh, the pineapple, and there's even a little trademark afterwards. Ooh. So trademarked the pineapple. Okay. Uh, hey, Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. Why, that's me. Uh, I discovered your show a long time ago when you pointed that uh, that first YouTube video with Collider on their YouTube channel. Oh, It was wow, for yeah. uh, Battlefield Earth and The Master. That was our double feature. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was... that Was, was that our first? Wow. Might have been, yeah. Uh, wow. We did a we, series we a, called The Two Shot a while ago. Yeah, it used to be, like, an element of our podcast, and then we split it off, and then we stopped doing we realized it. But, that, we uh, realized that it needed to be its own thing, but the idea of The Two Shot was uh, every week we invited our listeners to pick a notoriously bad film, mm-hmm. and then Whitney and I came up with a classic film that was, ironically, the perfect double feature. Like, thematically similar in some way. And, yeah. Uh, Battlefield Earth was based on a work by L. Ron Hubbard, mm-hmm. and the master was sort of a riff on the post-war cults that L. Ron Hubbard was a part of. Yeah. We figured they were, you know, linked in some way. I still think that's a great double feature. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in uh, case someone's wondering what uh, we're talking about. Uh, I used to look forward to each new video. The Love Bug review is a favorite of mine, as well as the Lethal Weapon reviews. Oh, we also did, like, whole series. Oh, um, yeah. I've listened to the Love Bug review at least a half dozen times since it was, since it was first published. My most recent re-listening was yesterday. Oh, wow. Well, thank wow. you. Um, I try to insert a Horace the Hate Bug reference into my everyday conversation <laughs> as often as humanly possible. Um, they need to do another Herbie movie yeah. set in the Cars universe. So Herbie actually, mm. like, is a being. Uh, I'm not sure Herbie would be a silent character, or if Herbie would have a voice. I don't know if Herbie belongs in that universe. I feel like well, Her- I feel here, like that's well, putting here's... a GoBot in Transformers. It's just kind of <laughs> kind of wrong. My thinking is we just need to hire Dan Stevens to play Horace the Hate Bug. Well, that's and true, yes. So, yeah. um, unfortunately, when you stop sharing them through Collider, I stop following. Please accept my sincerest apologies. I made a huge mistake. Oh. Uh, you well, did not make you. a huge mistake. You just stopped yeah. listening to a podcast. We're, we're not, not totally hurt fine. by it. Uh, during the pandemic, I was looking for new content to listen to in order to pass the time and discovered that you guys continue to produce fantastic content on your website and that I had been, meaning, uh, that I had been missing out on. I've been spending the last year and a half trying to catch up. The Yule Log commentary track was hilarious and probably the the most brilliant thing in the history of podcasting. I'm pretty sure that was we, Whitney's idea. We, we, we've done two of them so far. Yeah, yeah. For, for we Christmas, we did a commentary track for a video fireplace. Yeah. Uh, and... It's very, it was very it was, festive and seasonal. And, and, and there's and, a surprising and, amount of interesting information about yeah, Yule Log those, videos. Those Yule Logs actually have like an interesting and textured history. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you for all your hard work you put into producing such high-quality content. I'm amazed, not uh, with the quality, but with the quantity of it. When do you find time to sleep? Answer, we don't. I literally uh, have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I've, I got three hours of sleep last night. I'm looking forward to a maximum of four tonight. Now you have a new cat, so it's just going to be. Well, that's up true. All he keeps night, jumping. Yeah. He keeps jumping on the back of my knees, which oh, is a very interesting choice. All right. Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to, wanting to write you guys for a while, but I have been trouble for, formulating a good question. What in your mind? Here's the question: Are the qualities that make for an interesting letter? For we've got mail. <laughs> Thank you for all your hard work. You guys are a national treasure. Sincerely, the pineapple. Um, 
I, I can't dictate to you what you would write into us. What I no, what, all I request not. is that you write from the heart. Yeah, write something you're interested in, something you would like to hear us talk here, about. Here, here's what it boils down to. We we say this is where you control the conversation, and it is. Mm-hmm. You know, Whitney and I. You know, we have a lot to talk about. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing any of this. Uh, but we have our interests, our proclivities, the stuff that we keep going back to over and over again because. Mm-hmm. You know, we're only human. You know, we 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 fall into a rhythm. Uh, you in uh, inviting you into the conversation and giving you an opportunity, not just like ask a question, but tell a story or whatever you or say whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. whether it's one sentence or two pages. Everyone always says Everyone always apologizes for the length. Don't. Mm-hmm. This it, gives us an opportunity to a hear what you're thinking, hear what mm-hmm. you're experiencing. I'm always very curious to hear what people's, like, movie-going journeys are. Like, what are you, like, yeah. trying to, like, bone up on? Or what are you... Uh, what, what, what is your particular movie-going diet like? I'm always mm-hmm. interested in that. But um, basically, you give us an opportunity to talk about what specifically you're going through right now. Whether that's, I watched an interesting movie and I had an issue with it, or I really, really liked it but no one talks about it, or there's something that you don't know about how uh, film criticism works, or the industry works, or film history works, that maybe we haven't talked about enough and we can illuminate, that's always good too, but yeah, it's whatever you want to talk about, Mm -hmm. and that gives us an opportunity to talk about something different. Yeah. So yeah. I, for uh, me, I, that's I, I love that. I love. I, I'm happy if you want to write in and talk about stuff we talk about all the time. If you want to ask about the Step Up movies, please do. But yeah, we'll read the Star Trek emails. Having uh, but, no you know, idea what come what what we what's coming into the conversation is really yeah. exciting. So yeah, it, yeah, just whatever you want to talk about, we will love it. Yeah, yeah. If, and if you want to ask us about something we have no idea about, mm-hmm. uh, that at least will get it out into the conversation, and maybe some yeah. other listeners who like. Uh, if, if you want to ask about Nollywood cinema, I don't know a lot, a lot, a lot about. No, Nollywood I know, cinema. I know it's next Af- to nothing African about cinema. it. Actually. So, um, yeah. like we've seen a few Nigerian yeah. movies, but uh, yeah, but like this gives us an opportunity, and we've done this before. If there's mm. something we don't know, uh, we can absolutely uh, invite our other listeners who may have more expertise in something to write in, and it happens all the time. Mm. And people write in with like really fascinating like stories about like. Obscure British TV shows that we knew next to nothing about, but they know everything about. And that's really cool. And we're actually able to sort of like band together and share our love of things and informations of things. And that's that's really neat. So, but thank you so much. And thank you for letting us know what it is like kind of discovering the show. Uh, I know that there, we're, we're we, never sure how people like come come upon us as it like, were. Like I, uh, I'm I'm grateful to the movie trivia Schmodown. I think they uh, helped us uh, reach a bigger audience yeah, initially. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, all everyone who's coming to us from there has been really really awesome and supportive. Uh, it's a shame that that show is ending. By the way, uh, there was there's still more time to go, still more episodes, and hopefully we'll show up. But uh, it's uh, that's been a, that's been a fun trip. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm always curious if people are finance. I know that the YouTube clips we had put out through Collider when we were briefly with them uh, were appreciated by many, but 
we're not part of that channel anymore. We mm-hmm. got kind of like moved around, and then we got kind of like just kind of nudged aside and became our own thing, and yeah, which is fine. It's just mm. you know, it's it's frustrating when we because sometimes we lose content. Like there's, there's a few episodes that sadly are not part of our between the two. Yeah, yeah. and we've and I've I've lost like multiple laptops since then, mm. and there's a few we might not have anymore. Yeah, Someone I, asked recently for an episode, and I couldn't find it. I yeah, felt really bad about and, it. And I've I've tried to keep up like downloading all the episodes as they yeah. come in, but. Uh, I I was well. I was doing it through iTunes, and they changed their um, like how how they operate. So like, you can download something and then close out iTunes when you open it up. It like undownloaded it for some reason. Like it's not on because it's not actually downloaded. It's available for download. But and then they just re-download it. I hit the download and I wait like fifteen minutes for Uh something to download, and then it's like okay, and I listen to it, and then. Once I go, go I, I actually time, need so. to make sure I go back at some point. I'm listening to make a day of it and re-download every single episode of our Patreon podcast, all our yesterdays. Mm. Because so we lo- them all. well, because losing we we lost a few of like the original files, so like I couldn't go back and like re-edit those if I yeah, wanted to. Yeah. But I want to make sure I have them all in a folder somewhere because that's a that is a massive project, and I'd hate to lose any part of it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, our next letter. Yes. Uh, speaking of obscure British sitcoms, uh, this one comes from Louise. Hello, Louise. Hi. Uh, greetings. I recently read about a long-forgotten UK sitcom, a sitcom so controversial, it was canceled after two episodes, uh-huh. despite much publicity and a Hey, It's That Guy cast. The sitcom was called Hardwick House. Oh, interesting. And when I found all seven episodes were on YouTube, I thought I would do my own little canceled too soon mission and watch it and maybe let you chaps know about an undiscovered gem. Okay. After about 58 seconds of viewing, <laughs> my soul left my body, oh my, my eyes exploded, my ears spontaneously sealed themselves. It was so appallingly made, written and acted, there was no language bad enough to describe it. My question to you is, how do you guys do it? Time and again. <laughs> on Cancel Too Soon. How do you endure it? Mm. Does it help knowing that you have a friend to vent with on the air later? And has anything been so bad that you had to give up? Yours, Louise. Uh, we never give up. That's not true. We're professionals. There's one time we did. There's one time we did. Uh, I have said this before. Uh-huh. If you're doing it like professionally, film, TV, entertainment criticism is a full contact sport. Mm. You... You don't, don't have the option of turning it off. You or leaving don't it. have the option of cherry picking what you're going to talk about. You actually have a commit. Like I know some people like, and I don't know how they do it. Some people say like, "Oh, I only talk about the things that I like," and I'm just like, "Well, first off, I don't think your audience well, is going to get a very complete picture of your taste and your opinions if you're only talking about things you're not criticizing." Mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, you're you're doing it on easy mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you watch something, you don't like it, and then you don't have to talk about it. If you're yeah. a film critic, you have to go into a movie, and not only do you have to endure a bad movie that you might not like, yeah, it happens but all you the time. have to f- like formulate cogent ideas you about to, that thing. You, you, you need don't to just know get to drop it. About. You need yeah. to think about it like mm-hmm. a lot. Why didn't this work? What was what were they aiming at? You have to. You, uh, sometimes it takes a lot more work to like fully analyze and like think about a movie that doesn't work than a movie that does, mm. and. It's not always fun. Sometimes it is, hmm. and that's something that I think people forget. It's like, you know, they say like, uh, "Oh, why are you why are you ruining our fun by criticizing?" Because criticizing can be fun. <laughs> Actually, analyzing art like top to bottom, nuts and bolts, every single facet of it, is to some of us entertaining in itself. Whether the thing you liked was good, bad, mediocre, mixed, doesn't matter. Uh, so, on one hand, I enjoy it. 
There's also comes a time where you have been reviewing so many things mm. and so many things that get made because most things that are released are either made by or filtered through a studio or a network that is trying to reach as many people as possible. A lot of the things that get made and released tend to be pretty inoffensive, sometimes bland, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily trying something uh, very interesting, which is fine if you only watch a couple of movies a month, but if you watch multiple movies a day, that can be really, really draining, even though they're not necessarily bad, they're just kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result, when you're watching like 40 mediocre movies a month... Watching something brilliant is amazing. And watching something awful is a break. It's well, because, actually well, like... It, it's actually it's, like it, yeah, that, it's, I've heard it said, and yeah. uh, well, I've talked about this before, how yeah. critics uh, uh, critics and other people as well will say that it's, it's a greater offense for a film to be boring than it is to be mm. bad or offensive. And I, think I think there's a line that can be crossed either way. Uh, but. Well, I, 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 I would much rather see a boring film, quite frankly, uh, because, no, I, yeah. but professionally, uh-huh. I understand why someone might say that it's easy to formulate your feelings about something you hate because your mm-hmm. feelings are very pronounced. Yeah. It actually uh, it, made you it, feel something. It, it, even it gave if it you an fun. emotional response. Yeah. And, you know, as a professional critic, it's easier to write that. You'll have mm-hmm. like thoughts to about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, sort of got, got you up in a dander. Mm-hmm. Um, a boring film is very difficult to write about, especially mm-hmm. if you have very little to say about it. Right. It's like this did competent things. Fine. Uh, these yeah. are things I've seen in hundreds of movies before. Yeah. Here's another one. Well, okay, bye. Well, because uh, like a bad, it's it's difficult to make a truly bad movie without doing something interesting. Maybe it was well, a, maybe I, maybe it was a horrible mistake, uh, but you didn't just do the most conventional, obvious, safe, generic thing. Because if you had, it probably would have just been bland and boring. Mm. Uh, if you make a really bad movie. You were trying well, something. You're talking probably. about like a, a tr- like a really, and really it, bad. And movie. it sounds like Hardwick House is one of those, which yeah. is why I'm bringing this up. There are some truly atrocious movies out there, and I know some people will say things like, "Oh my god, that new Marvel movie is the worst movie I've ever seen." No, it is not. <laughs> uh, not for me, anyway. I can't, I can't speak for you, but I got to tell you, it, there's a level of bad that in 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 cinema. That a lot of people don't even know exists. Mm-hmm. Like they're not seeking. You have to seek it out because they're no, no one's proud of it and shoving it in front of you. Like it's it it, it is a, creeping around the edges. It is quickly yeah, forgotten. Yeah. It is and they they're out there. But like but as someone who is trying to find everything ever made to discover something that is truly. A mistake, <laughs> truly, truly misguided. Like, like, like when you watch like that movie where John Wayne played Genghis Khan, where you're just like, that is one of the, the most egre- that is one of the most egregious casting mistakes uh, in the history of cinema. And you and watch, it irradiated the whole cast. It literally they filmed on like a or like just downwind from like a nuclear test site, and a disproportionate number of people who made that movie mm. got cancer, including like, John Wayne, including John. Well, John Wayne also smoked a lot. But regardless, mm, but, it, but it, it's not good. He had, he had a lung help. removed from smoking, but yeah. I, I think it was stomach cancer that ended up taking him out. I, I actually don't know the, the details, yeah. but fair enough. My point is this. Uh, 
mistakes were made. Mm. Uh, and when you discover a movie that is just truly mind-bogglingly, or, or even a TV series like, how, how, what made you think this was okay? Like, what about this? Like, for me, that's like... You know how some people say that after you do enough drugs, like you have to do drugs just to get back to normal? <laughs> right. That can be like a bad movie for someone who watches as much media as like me and Whitney does. We're just yeah. like, okay, I saw something interesting today. It was not good. In fact, well, it was awful, but I, I, it was interesting and it kind of like jostled me out of complacency because I've seen mm. so many just generic films lately. Well, and like really bad, low budget genre films are uh, are kind of fascinating in their own oh, way. Sure. Uh, you, a lot the, of them are. Yeah. This sort of external narrative begins to form what kind of a person would make this and you start yeah. thinking about this was like, someone's the passion of it. project yeah. you know like Some, someone really wanted to... thought that pointing a camera at these things would be entertaining to someone else yeah and like... it becomes this weird media contemplation after a while mm-hmm. and i also uh, firmly believe and i've said this before that when you're trying to learn about movies and cinematic storytelling and i think this is true for any art mm-hmm. really um you start off by studying the classics but then after a while and after you understand how classics work and how the basic language works you can learn so much more by watching bad movies as well oh yeah because yeah. You, if you, you watch an Ing- ingmar bergman film you'll learn how to make an ingmar bergman film yeah if you watch, you watch like the batman uh, and robin you'll learn how to make a a good ingmar bergman film <laughs> Well, you're going to ask yourself what went wrong and what, what what would I do differently? What were they aiming for and how did they not succeed? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a more engaged viewing experience. So when I watch something that is truly atrocious, and again, I haven't seen Hardwick House. Maybe I'd even like it. I have no idea. Um, but if when I see something that is as bad as the way you make this show sound, um, I'm not passively watching it. I am actively watching it which i think is more of the film critic headspace it is not something to just happen to you as you sit on the couch you are actively interacting with it in your mind everything that happens you're actually thinking about and appreciating and that's not necessarily the way everyone views a film but it is a way to view a film it's a way Mm -hmm. a lot of most i think film critics view films to one degree or another and that level of engagement can be exciting, even if the thing you're watching is terrible. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I hope that helps. It's <laughs> well, not easy what we do sometimes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes no. it's a well, treat. Like, but like that's true for any job, you know. And there, there Some days are, are better than others. And there are TV shows. And we talk about this. If a TV show mm. is really, really bad, it can be short, and it's still a chore. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we just sort of stick to it. It's it's almost like a. After a while, it becomes a moment of pride. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to let this one do it to me. I'm, this is not going to uh, be the one that beats me. Yeah, I've never walked out of a movie professionally. Like, no, I've, never, no, I've no, only no. ever walked out of a movie because like uh, someone was sick or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like an emergency. But like, uh, I've there's... never walked out of a movie just because it was bad. I've turned off movies that I didn't have to watch because they were I wasn't into them. Mm. But if I was watching it for work, I've never done that. Yeah, I yeah. think that's uh, I think that's unprofessional. It's really mm. not a lot being asked of you to just sit through the damn the, thing. There have been a few instances where yeah. I started to watch a movie I was going to review professionally, uh. and I did fall asleep. Uh, yeah. And I actually had to restart the movie because yeah. I, I need to sort of give it a, a, its full attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of hope someday that my professional tenacity of staying in a theater for a really, really bad movie uh-huh. ends up killing me. Like I see, <laughs> I see something so bad, I die. <laughs> 
I was. That's, that's one of the ways I want to go out. It's like yeah. uh, I. This is making me feel terrible. I, I, I have kidney stones and a headache, and <laughs> my eyes are bleeding. But I'm gonna stay here. I uh, I was at a, I was at a press screening once, and the fire alarm started going off, and everyone stayed. <laughs> <laughs> everyone was like, "Is this is this a real thing? Is this like mm. just a mistake?" Mm. And they're like, "Yeah, we probably see smoke and hear screaming if that were the case. So fuck it, let's continue we're watching. Gonna, we're gonna wait. <laughs> let's continue watching." the film while the sirens blare um but to answer your question is there anything we didn't watch there is one actually we were going to review a a series that we had both remembered fondly called they came from outer space and then we started watching it and we realized that this isn't just not as good as we remember this is really hurting a lot and there's like so many episodes of it Mm. That we realize that like it's going to take it, it us was, so long to convince vo- ourselves. It was just sheer volume, really. That guy yeah, kind of it, put it, us off. It, which is and that was a big part of it. But I think if it had been really good, we would have we would have like persevered. Mm. But because it just was like exactly not as like not as good as we remembered at all, mm. and because there was a ton of it, we just decided, you know what. We could, in the time it would take to get through this, do two other episodes. Yeah. So let's just do two other episodes and let it go. No one is as excited about doing this series as we were, and we've lost a lot of our passion for it. And so that's the one. Mm. If we had nothing else on our plate, we probably would have done it, but we do a lot. So Mm. we just, that's the one that came closest to. Like we'll, we'll, we may get around back. We around may get around to back it, to yeah. it someday, but it's it just it wasn't worth the effort at the time, mm-hmm. and a part of that was because it was pretty painful. <laughs> but like we've watched more painful stuff, oh, much much worse, much much worse. It just usually wasn't like thirty mm-hmm. episodes of it. So yeah, there you go. Anyway, let's move on to another. Uh, Thank you for that letter. That was really thoughtful. Here's a letter from Kay. Hello, Kay. Hi, Kay. Um, it's Mary Kay. Uh, no, it's just Kay. Uh, okay. Hi, Bibbs and Whitney. I'm so excited you got to experience Paris's Burning. Oh, it's yeah. A recent uh, critically reclaimed episode uh, where we watch movies on streaming services. Uh, it's one of the most important queer films ever made, and if you don't believe me, Criterion does. Uh, <laughs> the Times of Harvey Milk is another essential doc available on Criterion. Highly recommended. Everyone seek them both out. Mm-hmm. You touched upon it in your discussion, but I wanted to emphasize that ball culture. Uh, Paris yes. is Burning, by the way, is a documentary film about uh, uh, what Kay just said, a uh, ball mm. culture in uh, the late 80s in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is... Uh, sort of a pageant, really. It's, it's, a pa- it's like part pageant, part fashion show, but it's also like a, almost like a personality pageant. And you're yeah. sort of displaying a character you've invented and parading it around. And yeah. it's, it's all... Uh, anything you've seen on like a, a drag race game show... All stems from ball culture. Like yeah. that, that's where that started. And and the um, and Paris is burning. I think was so many people's introduction to it that mm-hmm. it seems to be the template on which a lot of that is yeah. literally built. But yeah, I um, uh, wanted ball culture is more than drag performances. It's very much a tradition, specifically from and for Black and Latino communities mm. who not only had to fight the stigma of their queerness but also the color of their skin. Too often, aspects of Black queer culture is appropriated by White gay culture and then inevitably cishet mainstream. And yes, Madonna is guilty of this. Yes. Um, we mo- talked briefly most about Most assuredly. Madonna yeah. basically, she, she didn't pretend she invented it, but mm. she basically stole the Vogue. 
Yeah. From from yeah. Well, she wrote a song culture. called Vogue for goodness. Yeah, and and, yeah, and the and the music David video Fincher like highlighted video, the yeah. yeah highlighted the dance. The music video wasn't as great an example of the dance as mm. you would see in Paris is Burning. Mm. But to her credit, she never said I invented this. I she clarified where she got it from, but yeah. she's the one who profited the most. Well, I mean, yeah. it, she she saw it, she liked it, she put it in her art. I can't fault her for repeating no, something she enjoyed. No, no, she but wasn't sort of, trying to steal anything. No, it's, she not just, about, yeah. it's not about stealing. Just like when it came down to it, now most people, yeah, co- a lot of people, culture, a but, lot of you know. people would associate the Vogue with Madonna uh, now, which yeah, is that, not, that, which is not, which is not fair. Um, uh, Kay says, I'm a white trans woman, uh, so it's not my place to speak authoritatively on ball culture, but my husband and I once had the privilege of attending one in Boston, Ooh. hosted by a queer youth organization as a chaperone. A role was quite uh, simply to be supportive and contribute to a safe and welcoming environment. The energy in the room was electric, and the creativity and confidence on display was just incredibly joyous and inspiring, especially considering all of the challenges they face in their daily lives. Mm. More personally, I just wanted to add that that as a trans performer is not a drag queen. Uh, you did not imply otherwise, and yes, Paris is burning features both, but I thought I'd take this opportunity in case mm. anyone listening might conflate the two. Thank you. It can be very painful and demeaning, and with the rising hysteria over trans people and calls to ban drag in public spaces. Which is ridiculous. Weird, yeah. super conservative point in history right now. Yeah. I fear that the line is intentionally being blurred in order to further criminalize our existence. Happy Pride to you, and to everyone listening, <laughs> you are beautiful, you are important, and you are needed. Kay. Kay, you are amazing. Thank you for writing in. We, we got a couple of people who uh, uh, wrote in uh, to let us know that you know we were a lot of what we were discussing in our Paris is Burning podcast was gleaned specifically from Paris is Burning, which was a very thorough documentary, but it was only an hour and a half, and it doesn't have like a rich like sort of Ken Burns kind of history of it. So there were a few things that we either got wrong or did not get right enough. Uh, one example that it was brought uh, to me by uh, the amazing Alonzo Duralde from Linoleum Knife, which you should all be listening to because Alonzo and his uh, husband and co-host Dave White are really, really smart and very, very funny. Um, he pointed out that, uh, well, the movie kind of only really discusses the history of the ball scene about as far back as the 1960s, which is what mm-hmm. we discussed on the show. It does stem back to at least the late 19th century. And yeah, it did start with in the uh, black and Latino drag queen community, uh, which is a really useful piece of information. It's important mm-hmm. to remember that like this culture and, and these discussions of gender identity, these are not new. They've been with us a very, very long time. Yeah, really. We didn't always have the right vocabulary to discuss them, but we shouldn't be shying away from that now. That's actually incredibly useful to have. It's incredibly liberating. And yeah, so thank you everybody for for writing in. And we've, we've had a few people mention, we got that wrong. We did. Uh, but uh, it's so wonderful to hear from you. Thank you so much for writing in. Yeah. Uh, we're, we, you know, again, we're not part of that community directly, but we're wholly mm-hmm. supportive of it. And um, yeah, and seriously, if you didn't listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. even if you don't intend to, see Paris is Burning. It's an incredible documentary, mm-hmm. and it really, it really just underlines just how completely nonsensical so much of the rhetoric going around in the conservative well, well, community is right now. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not rhetoric. It's just outright bigotry. It's not. Well, there, that's, there's, you, thank you for clarifying. That's it's, true. Yeah. It's not. It's not like they're they're making some kind of cogent argument. You know what? You're uh, absolutely of, yeah, right. Of, I completely about, undersold you know, that. Yes, the, it is the absolutely bigotry. Culture. It is just outright bigotry. It's hate. Thank you. It's trying to shove people into yeah. the closet. It's, you're right. It, it's it's an attempt to. Uh, 
keep yourself keep themselves ignorant by mm-hmm. uh, literally destroying people. Yeah, uh, and and. It, making certain the existence of certain people illegal and it's disgusting. And it that's, is that's, disgusting, that's what we're and going it's, and it's, it's right an now. attempt. It's an attempt to incite mm-hmm. a, uh, a a a fury yeah, look, in in, un, in people who don't know what they're talking mm-hmm. about, which is just not a good start to yeah, anything. I, um, I, I want to clarify something uh, just about sort of the, the modern po- political landscape that, that the United States mm-hmm. is living through right now. Yeah, um, a, a friend of mine put it this way. Uh, all, all of these draconian policies that are being put into into play right now by a, yeah. a, you know, a rogue Supreme Court and all of these conservative politicians are the least popular ideas in the United States. This extreme right-wing stuff is not held by the majority of the people at all. It yeah. is a, a very militant, violent minority of people who are, mm-hmm. are trying to... Uh, shoulder their way into being in charge and keep as much power as they can. Yeah, it's, they're manipulating it's, it's, the system it's, it's, so yeah. that they can have an inordinate amount of representation exactly. and uh, authority in our uh, political system. Yeah. A friend of mine put it this way. Uh, for them, this is smash and grab time. Uh, yeah. They know they're dying out and they are doing everything they possibly can. And the, the tighter that they are squeezed and the more they are muscled out, the more vitriolically evil they will become. Yeah. So I like to think... You know, the optimist in me likes to mm-hmm. think that this wave of horrendous uh, sexism and racism and bigotry and draconian laws are part of like the last dying kicks of this garbage. That would be nice. Uh, and I'm hoping I... that they don't put themselves permanently in power before they die out. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm yeah, afraid we're, we're they're, they're going to try so and, hard and they're going to accrue enough power hmm. before they before what you were discussing can happen, and they're going to do too much damage uh, for us to uh, rebuild properly, uh, which is a very frightening situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I appreciate your optimism. I I want to share it. (laughs) It's hard to be optimistic, because even if you do think that this might be the last gasp of something, we're still going through... A particularly harrowing moment where yeah, there's a lot of have stake. to live through a lot of there's a lot, a lot of at stake. Things. There's a lot of horrible things happening right now, and the idea that this, even if this is the last gas, which might be naive, might be optimistic, might even be true. I have no idea. Um, it, 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 it we it doesn't make it easier, and we actually still have to fight like twice as hard right now mm. to make sure that none of what is happening uh, is. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Cemented in the minds of a, of, of generations to come, hmm. because this is what's going on right now in a lot of avenues and a lot of corners in this country is very very wrong, and it's scary. Hmm. And we need to do. Everyone needs to do their part. So, uh, on another note. Hmm. Do we have uh, uh, look, an email I'll, that is maybe I'll, a little I'll less... Just, I'll just uh, say this. Yeah. I'll just say this. There ain't a rule says a dog can't serve on the Supreme Court. Because uh, <laughs> I trust their butt. Okay, you know what? I want, like, we should write that move. Because <laughs> 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 we've never done that. What, is there like a dog... Dog what, politician? What, what, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Not dog politician. We... we <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like that's been done, but like no, like because all the Airbud movies. This is the worst segue. I can't believe we've done this, but the, it, all the Airbud movies had a dog pun. Mm. Like it wasn't like Except it wasn't like Airbud. Yeah, Airbud doesn't do baseball. Airbud. It's Airbud colon seventh inning fetch. Airbud 
Golden Receiver, mm. Airbud, Spikes Bat. Well, that one actually that, wasn't that's very. Just a vol- that was just the volleyball term. Yeah. It wasn't really good. Is there like a legal dog pun? Uh, you can still buy the Rot Realty T-shirts <laughs> on our. Uh, <laughs> Uh, on our t-shirt earth. store that our long neglected t-shirt store is still there but yeah we, we haven't we, added anything to it in quite we, a while we reviewed a katherine heigl very short-lived katherine heigl legal series called doubt which was not a bad show by the way it's it was fine. perfectly it's fine. totally fine uh but we had this idea i forget how it came up we were just we, we were just kibitzing and like uh, how did, how, it'd be funny if we had a dog lawyer yeah show. like we, the ultimate tv show would be Catherine Heigl is a legal partner at a law firm, and her legal partner is a dog. And mm-hmm. the show was called Rot Realty. Rot Realty. Stupidest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we can, we decided, sure, we'll put up a T-shirt of Rot Realty, and you can buy Rot Realty T-shirts. Oh my god! Uh, it, it's it's a conversation stopper. <laughs> We have some really weird t-shirts. Like, one yeah. just says, shut up, Ken. Yeah. Uh, as in Ken from Barbie. We oh, should buy yeah. the, We should get those shirts for ourselves and wear them oh, yeah, to the Barbie movie. Those. Yeah, we there, did. There's one that just says, Marconi, you asshole. Do we have uh, We have one that says, Sabist. Sabist, which a logo, logo I designed myself for Sabist, we, an imaginary uh, band. One of the, one of the it's best. It's all, all like the most oblique in-jokes. One of the best things we ever did. In, on the, on any of our shows yeah. was we had done an episode of Cancel Too Soon about the TV series Freaky Links. Yes. And Freaky Links, if you don't recall, it starred Ethan Embry from Can't Hardly Wait. And, it was a uh, paranormal investigation show it was the idea in, of, in the like, early internet days. Yeah, it was the idea of, hey, what if the X-Files... But Gen X was mm-hmm. a bunch of like teenagers doing like web blogs back when that was only first getting started, traveling around the nation in a cool van and getting involved in like hip teen supernatural mysteries. Uh, not great, not bad. Not it was bad. fine. Started badly, got better. Yeah, they found they started finding their footing, but by then it was too late and it, it was it couldn't work. But uh, it was in that era where. Uh, a lot of TV shows had a lot of contemporary popular music, and at the end of the episode, you would hear something like, Tonight's episode of Dawson's Creek mm. featured music like, by S- yeah, Silverchair and, and Scream Scream Asylum. Yeah. yeah, and so, like, because that's how they're trying to make a little extra money by selling albums. Um, so we did at the end of the Free Healings episode was tonight's episode of Cancel Too Soon was brought to you by and we each came up with a list of like 50 fake band names <laughs> and we went on for a really long time and when we ran out of names we just started making we some just started up improvising after and a while. the one <laughs> the one the they one came that... up with that broke us mm. they're just we we couldn't stop the giggles was what I just said and I have no idea I, what it means I, or what it's in reference to Sabist S-B-I-S-T I, 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 I think you just sort of stumbled over like you were trying to say one thing and you stumbled into the word fist <laughs> I, and got with Sabist and Sabist so uh, I had a Sabist there's a fictional uh, band called Sabist I had a Sabist there. mug for a second there but it broke Aww. But yeah, I, 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 you ruined Sabist. But we've made one purchase of the of Sabist, and it was me. So. <laughs> God. Anyway, uh, I think we have time for one more letter. Yeah, okay. Um, here's a letter from uh, Johnny Ace. Hello, Johnny. Oh, Ace. hi, Johnny Ace. Um, uh, hey, Whitney and Bibbs. First of all, I want to say that I absolutely adore your podcast and each show within it. Cancel too soon, critically claimed in the Iron List, etc. Thank you. I always learn something new and interesting when I listen. It is our job to educate. That, that means uh, a lot to me, and it's greatly appreciated. Uh, I want to. 
I wanted to give a tiny oh. bit of insight into Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Ooh, uh, cool. Thank you. Uh, while I haven't watched the film yet, which means I could be very wrong, the portion of the movie that Whitney describes as obligatory with Marcel, Marcel becoming a viral sensation is based on truth. Uh, the original Marcel the Shell with Shoes On was a 3 minute and 22 second video released on YouTube in 2010. As of this writing, it has 32 million views. Uh, there were two additional shorts uh, with 11 minutes, 11 million, 4.6 million views as well. As far as I yeah. understand, these YouTube shorts were the unintentional proof of concept yeah. that made the feature film possible. Thank you again for your great pod- podcast, Johnny Ace. Uh, I had um, heard that. Uh, I had never seen them, but I had heard that. Uh, and um, thank you for clarifying. That probably should have been something we mentioned in our review. That was a really short one. I think we have time okay. for one more. Um, let's see if I can find one You can do it. I believe here. in you, Whitney. Everyone, if you cheer Whitney on, he'll do it faster. Whitney, 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 wherever you well, I, are. I had, a, I had a good one here. Here we go. Here's... Um, yeah. This one's from Jeremy. Um, okay. Uh, hey, Bibbs. Hi, Jeremy. It's just to you. It's oh, to me. So hi, I guess Jeremy. it's addressed to you. All right, fair enough. Um, hey, Bibbs, you're awesome. Oh, thanks. Love your work. Oh, thank virtual you. high five slash hug or Vulcan live long and prosper hand gesture, whatever you like that would be comf- that you'd be comfortable with. I'm gonna do the demolition man high five where you pause before you hit oh, contact kind of like, and then you sort of do a little circle, it's like semicircles. It's a lot of fun. It's good. Um, it's a good uh, uh, age of COVID kind of gesture. Uh, but I apologize, but I'm ready to ask Whitney a question. Oh, well, never mind. Okay, um, if you have any input, well I absolutely welcome your opinions because they are valid, as always. But well based done. on previous letters written into the show, you yourself had admitted that this is more of a Whitney's sphere of expertise. Oh, dear. Okay. Now I'm now the spotlight's on. I'm okay. fascinated. Hi, Whitney. Virtual high five. Hug or can live longer and prosper again, whatever you're <laughs> most comfortable with. Um, when someone is feeling depressed, as I am currently going through one hell of a bad time right now, we all got them. We all got those times. Mm. Uh, there are two responses most people take when listening to music. Either one, listen to the happiest, sunshiniest ray of hope to blast the sadness out like a sacred flame attacking a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Or number two, put on the darkest shit you can find and stew in your own mortality uh, and try to feel something so you can cry the pain out. I tend to lead towards the latter. Yeah, this is a Whitney it- question. <laughs> I'm definitely the former. Um in one of your recent We've Got Mail episodes, you were talking about bleak cinema, and for some reason I never thought of that before. So I'm looking for recommendations to maybe help me wade into the sludge of bleak cinema and try to turn the corner on my situation. Something accessible that may be easy to find on streaming, since buying movies is tough and rental options are very much minimal to non-existent where I live. I, I hope you're both doing better than I am, which isn't saying much at this morning, this moment, so maybe I should just wish you the best of health, both physical and mental, and a hearty hi, Luca, from a random Canuck that listens to your work. Sincerely, Jeremy. Uh, uh, hi, Luca. Well, Where's well, Luca? He's around here somewhere. Uh, Luke, Luca, and uh, if you oh, wanted yeah. to uh, make an introduction. On oh, yeah, podcast. we have our new cat. We've, if you follow me on Twitter, we have a new cat. Uh, mm-hmm. He's an orange and white cat named Dante. Uh, and, um, yeah, we, we posted a couple of pictures. I'm sure more will come. Um, he hasn't decided to make a cameo yet, but it's probably only a matter of time. But he's a very, very sweet boy. He's a little... He's young, and he's in a new environment, and so he's just kind of getting used to the space, but it's working out great. Mm-hmm. In any case, thank you so much for wishing us uh, the best of mental health. I have made... Uh, uh, I've made an, a, a point of discussing my mental health issues publicly when I feel comfortable, whenever I feel comfortable doing so, and trying to be comfortable doing so, because uh, I think there's been a stigma attached to it, mm. and um, I think we need to talk about it more. So thank you for asking a question about this. Uh, again, if you want to talk about bleak cinema or bleak music, this is more of a Whitney thing. So I yield the floor. Uh, well, I mean, do, do you ever have that urge when you're sort of in, in a dark place? Like a, like a, like a Sometimes re- I listen really to sad like music. down in the bottom. Sometimes I listen to sad music if mm. I feel... Uh, uh, 
am I looking for? Like, I need company. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, it's generally not where I go. And mm-hmm. it's certainly not where I go cinematically. I okay. almost never have... I, mean, I, I watch it for work, and sometimes I, I appreciate it. Sometimes I even love it. Uh-huh. But it's incredibly rare that I ever have, like, okay, well, we have the night free. We can watch whatever we want. Do you want to watch the Turin horse? I've never, like, had that kind of, yeah. of, of vibe. I may want to watch right, something, well. like, dark or violent or scary or something like that. But mm. that, for me, that's not usually the same, although there can be some overlap. All right. Um to maybe elucidate a little bit, um, depression. Hmm. It is. Here's a way I think about it. Hmm. A way, not the way. Yeah, a lot of people uh, have it a lot of different ways. Uh, depression is is an invader. It's hmm. it's something that sort of in, infects you. It's a little hmm. bit of a sickness. Okay. And it lies. It does. It, it's, it's it, depression that, tells it, it, you that it, being depressed is like the reality. Yeah, that, that's yeah, and that's not true. The, it's, the, it feels biggest, true, but it's not. The biggest lie that that, mm-hmm. that this creature uh, tells you is uh, is about you. It's about your lack of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, it convinces you that you you don't have anything to contribute to the world. Mm-hmm. That you you don't exist for anything or for anyone. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing uh, good right now. There, there's nothing yeah. good about about you. Like, ignore the lie. I know yeah. it's difficult to do because it exists to convince you of that truth. Yeah. Uh, what bleak cinema does is it draws focus. Depression sees a sad movie and says, oh, it's not you. It's the world that's fucked. And there's a weird sense of validation to that, especially mm. when you're in a dark place. Okay. Uh, you, you're looking inward and you're seeing nothing but bleakness, and it seems bad because you're looking out at the world and seeing that it's fine. When you look at a movie and it says the whole world is shit... Then it's like it's like you're shaking a slimy hand. It's like, mm. oh wait, if everything's equally gray, then I'm correct. It and it's not comforting. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not mm. about uh, giving yourself some sort of emotional uh, comfort. It's about edifying a certain kind of sense of hopelessness, and that can be incredibly exhilarating. It's almost philosophical. Mm. It's like you're you're being elevated by sadness. Okay. Uh, maybe people don't know what I'm talking about. I know that's well, I think, kind of again, a, a again, people thing to say, people but... have people note. I think depression has a lot of similarities. I think you're mm. right in that it is a lie that sounds very convincing. Mm. It is telling you that things are very very bad. What specifically is your depression focusing on mm. will vary from person to person mm. and degree to degree. But regardless, I agree that it is tr- it is part of your brain whether you see it as an invader or not, that is telling you the worst possible thing mm. in a very convincing way. Yeah, and and this is one of the reasons why I try to drive it out mm. with more positivity. Yeah. And the, because the, uh, it basically is just like, to me, I'm saying, you're not the only voice. Mm. There are other voices that are just as valid, if not more so. So for me, yeah, that's the, where uh, I come from. You're I, uh, describing a different take. Well, I, 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 I've had this question a lot. It's like when you're feeling like really sad, when you're depressed, when you're in a low mm-hmm. state, what kind of things can you watch? What cheerful things, comforting things can you watch to cheer you up? 
I don't know, maybe it's the way my depression operates, but mm-hmm. if I'm really, really sad and I watch something I enjoy, that thing sucks now. Uh, <laughs> the thing I'm watching becomes yeah. like another useless cog in this human artistic machine that I don't sure. care about. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to ruin something I enjoy. Yeah, I get it. You're I, uh, not the only person I know I, who feels that way. I do get So, it. so yeah. I, I try to go to films that will make me feel, kind of validate my uh, mm-hmm. my my wretchedness yeah. uh, it, it's incredibly freeing to give yourself over to this sort of like bleak meaninglessness and there are a lot of films that understand that uh, as for films you can really sort of roll with that are about this kind of sadness a recent film I saw I called it one of the best films of the year was mm. called An Elephant Sitting Still it's oh, by yeah. a Chinese filmmaker named Hu Bo uh, his first film also his last he, uh, he uh, committed suicide shortly after it was completed uh, four hour film about a small town in China. The sky is constantly gray, and it's about this one family. And we get to follow each of the the members of this family who are going through, each of them going through their own horrendous dramas. Uh, one of them is suffering through school, and the school might close any day now. Right. Uh, the old man uh, has this big drama about losing a dog and running afoul of the neighbors. Mm. And there's a lot of talk about uh, an elephant uh, far away, like in, yeah. in the next city over. As part of a cir- circus act, and the elephant sits sits still, and people come up to this elephant and they hurt it. They Jesus. just they, they beat it, they stab it, and it won't move. It is ah, resolute. It's sort of, horrifying, and it becomes this almost uh, it becomes the central symbol. This the this almost book of Job thing, mm. where the elephant is just bearing the the brunt of of all the suffering, and uh, eventually the family will make a pilgrimage to go see this elephant and. The final shot of the movie, uh, after all, you know, this four hours of bleakness is actually incredibly exhilarating. Wow. Uh, so that's a really good one to start with. Um, okay. That, I think it's kind of a deep end, a four-hour movie, but that okay. That one, it, well, I mean... It's, a, it's one I'm, way to I'm learn how to swim. I'm not going to let any, anybody complain about lengths. You know, we, we're in the, the, the we're in the age where people are watching entire seasons of TV in uh, one one sitting. A four it's hour. It's a long, emotionally now. harrowing experience. Yeah. I'm just saying, it might be long for that, but whatever. It's right. whatever. I'm just it's fine. I reckon, it's still great. This is hey, this is yeah. your expertise, not mine. I thoroughly acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm, that movie I'm looking it up right now, just for people who want to, who uh, might want to see it. Uh, it is currently available on Canopy and Ovid. Canopy okay. is free if you have a depending on where you live uh, mm-hmm. with a library subscription. Uh, Ovid is a subscription service, but it's available at no extra fee. Or if you don't have either of access to either of those, uh, it is currently on Apple TV and Amazon for mm-hmm. for a small fee. Uh, if you want something that's like a little bit more like accessible and uh, mm-hmm. like rollicking, but is also about nihilism and despair. Uh-huh. Uh, Frank Darabont's film The Mist uh, oh, is, that's is, a a good mo- one. is a monster yeah. movie about the end of the world, and guess what? The world fucking ends in the Pretty worst much. possible way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, that that is currently not available like for free on any subscription service, but it's readily available right. on Amazon, at YouTube, Redbox, mm-hmm. wherever you can find it. It's pretty yeah, easy to uh, find. If, if you're interested in um, like pain and torture, that kind of horror movies, there are plenty mm-hmm. to choose from. Sure. That whole wave of like torture movies from the early 2000s are, are all kind of roll with nihilism, but that that's like a hipster nihilism. It's sort of yeah. like prodding at the wound and kind of trying to get a rise out there, of you. There's a, lot there's of a certain aren't... safety in it. I feel like that one well, is more about catharsis yeah, than a lot of uh, things you're talking about. Like, we're going but... to, in, in an hour and a half, we're going to see some really fucked up shit, but you're going to emerge and the world's going to be a little brighter kind of thing. Well, you, you, I feel you, like that, that, that will end and... Uh, you 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 well you get the you've, feeling that you survived were, the crucible. Yeah, you, you got yeah. The, the feeling that you were kind of pranked. It's like you know, yeah. Saw isn't is but a hop skip and a jump away from like the Human Centipede, which yeah. is a geek show. Um, yeah, 
if you want like that kind of a movie, but it actually believes in its nihilism, get Michael Haneke's Funny Games, either version. Oh god, uh, yeah, that. Michael Haneke did bleak. two versions: uh, one in German and one in uh, I think it's in Funny Games is French and German. I think because he made movies in both. Um, I'll look it up so I can find it. Uh, it is currently on, oh, uh, it's currently on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel. Uh, but yeah, there was he made one in the '90s and he made one in the early 2000s in English with uh, yeah. English-speaking actors, uh, which was uh, with uh, Tim Roth, Naomi Watts, and Michael Pitt. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Brady Corbet was the other. Uh, oh yeah, wow, well remembered. And, and uh, yeah. I, I met Brady Corbet. Oh, that's cool. uh, right. he, he came to my movie theater once. I got to oh, talk yeah. to him briefly, but uh, so I remember his name. Uh, yeah, both of those films actually play like a almost a fun cinematic trick on you. Uh, yeah, near the, near kind the end of the, the movie, of, there's this big twist that uh, you yeah. will you will not be able to predict. And, no, no, no. Like, the movie, the movie is kind, kind of... of starts, starts turning the camera on you. Yeah, the, the movie viewer. is kind of upset with you for coming to see the movie. Because <laughs> which, this movie... I really appreciate Because that. this movie, it's one of those, like, home invasion movies mm. where, like, really, really fucked up things happen. And the movie gradually becomes a little more self-aware mm. and basically indicts the audience for even wanting to see this. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, hey, you the, bought the ticket. What, the, the, what, the what does that say about you? You're seeing a movie about yeah. people feeling pain, so really it's your fault these that people these people would be, are feeling if, pain. If there was no audience for this, these people would have gone about their lives. <laughs> think about that. The, yeah, yeah. The, the, the a lot of people like, hate the movie for that. Yeah, I think it's I, incredible for that. I, I think it's that's like yeah. a really amazing thing Michael Haneke did, and he does it in both. Like, both yeah. versions are so close, you can really interchange them. Mm-hmm. Michael Haneke like did the, a lot of bleak films. Amour is another um, one. Well, Amour is actually a weirdly human main movie it's humane uh, but it's, it's bleak oh it, it's it's it sad can be bad. it's sad yeah, is what it's it is incredibly but it's, sad. it's actually doesn't espouse a, a philosophy of despair it's just uh you know but, i don't know if i agree with it that. just looks at the looks at mortality that's all that i think it does. looks at mortality and doesn't see anything mm. terribly hopeful yeah. about it <laughs> i don't but that's me uh, that movie pushes my buttons i uh yeah. The reason we brought up bleak cinema uh, initially was because there was a, a festival, a bleak, oh, yeah. a bleak week at the American Cinematheque, and they had all of these wonderful films. They did show an elephant sitting still. They showed Satan Tango, which I haven't had the courage to step up to yet, mm. but it's a Belatar film, uh, a Hungarian filmmaker who uh, typically makes. Uh, he's like one of the masters of slow cinema. He has like yeah. long, sustained takes, and he tends to tell stories of. Uh, pretty harrowing material. The film of his I've seen is 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 the Turin Horse you mentioned, yeah. that, uh, which is a uh, it, I th- it's about the horse. The story of Friedrich Nietzsche was that mm-hmm. the philosopher was that uh, he you know preached this philosophy of you know your will to power and your 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 own personal strength and rising above sort of the chattel the other people uh, it wasn't about domination that mm-hmm. was the misinterpretation of Nietzsche, but. Uh, the story goes that he saw a horse being whipped in the street while walking down the street one day. Uh, he dove to protect the horse, hugging around its neck while it was being whipped. And in that moment, he went completely mad and you know, never wrote another word. And he spent a decade in an asylum after that. Um, it was theorized that he, he had syphilis. Mm-hmm. And syphilis affects the brain. Uh, the turn horse is about the horse. What happened to that horse afterwards? And it turns out the horse uh, accompanied this old couple home. They had trouble uh, with. They have trouble with the horse. They have trouble getting food. There's a, a windstorm that is increasing in intensity as the film goes on, and the the wind is eventually forces these people inside until uh, the wind gets so strong and there's so much mud in the air that they can no longer see the sun. 
Uh, it's essentially yeah. the the world ends in that movie. Um, it's that one's a pretty amazing film. Um, Satan Tango, I I know it's like about a traveling philosopher. Uh, I haven't seen it, so this is just sort of like, it's about a traveling no, philosopher who goes to this, this small town and starts to essentially try to convince people that. Uh, like a philosophy of selfishness is okay and it works and people just start being really horrible and cruel. I know Satan Tango is notorious for a scene where a young girl, very young, she's like six or seven, uh, like tortures a kitten. And like there's this intention, extended sequence where okay. she, yeah, uh, no, no, details, it's, no, it's, it's, don't worry, it's faked. It's no, faked, I, it's not about it's, being faked. Yeah. It's just about being a bummer. around. Yeah, think about it's, it right it, now. It, yeah, it is. It, there's, you know, some, if, if you don't like watching animals be abused, don't watch Satan Tango. Or, or maybe just skip that one sequence because it's seven hours long and it's yeah. maybe just a, a bit you can pluck out. Uh, so I, I can't recommend Satan Tango. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's so so many wonderful films yeah. about bl- bleak horror that you can get to. Oh, Hazard Balthazar is one of the best films ever made. That's a Robert okay. Bresson movie. Uh, that's a Christ allegory in a lot, uh, mm-hmm. very directly. Uh, but Christ is uh, a donkey in, mm. in Ohazar, named Balthazar in Ohazard Balthazar. Um that's a really great movie. Uh, that one, that's like one of those essential art house movies. You can find Oh Hazard Balthazar, and I recommend it. Even if you're not into bleak cinema, I think you should just watch that one in oh, yeah. general. Uh, Robert Bresson had a, a bit of a religious twinge to it about how you know, the presence or non-presence of God is sort of a, a running streak through some of his movies. He did Diary of a Country Priest as well, which uh, was more or less remade as first reformed by Paul Schrader, the the Ethan Hawke movie. That is a a really great debt to uh, Diary of a Country. Have you seen Diary of a Country Priest? No, I mean, I've seen first reformed, which is a very, Mm -hmm. supposedly a riff on it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. It's sort of of like a, there's a lot of elements from uh, country priest that end up in first reformed. But no, I haven't seen that one. Uh, Yeah. So definitely see Ohazar Balthazar. Uh, there, there are also other ones that are just difficult to watch. Like, I don't want to recommend Solo, uh, oh, which, yeah, which is that's, a, that's, a movie about that's, a tor- that's, that's another torture movie. And yeah, there's um, a difference between like this. Here's Bleak Cinema, and then this is a gauntlet. Yeah, like that. That's you know, deliberately like that's, sent, yeah, like out challenging there to, you to, to actually yeah, sit through it. To, yeah. yeah, freak you out and make you feel awful. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's not exactly the same vibe. Mm-hmm. But anyway, hopefully that'll help. So there, there's uh, yeah. there's a little bit of a starter for it. Yeah. So thank you so much. I, I'm actually really excited that we've got, even though it's not my jam, I'm excited that we've got so many people who have expressed an interest in bleak cinema. It's mm. something that is generally considered to be pretty far afield of the mainstream, where the mainstream is often more about uh, escapism or, at the very least, reassurance, well, comfort, reassurance, you know? edification, yeah. catharsis, yeah. Uh, and. Yeah. Catharsis, however, can take many forms. It's not just about uh, a, a philosophy you can take with you to uh, feel good about yourself. Yeah. Uh, it can also be a way to uh, sort of see a lot of stark darkness in the world, and that can be equally uh, an equal catharsis. Well, and that's something I've you know you learn as you grow older is that every person is different in the way people. Uh, process their emotions or what they get out of art can be wildly different from person to person. This is why we, for example, have so many critics Mm -hmm. so that we have the whole bunch of different eloquent people discussing their reactions and feelings and their thoughts about art. And we can learn more about not just the art, but other people on the way that they respond to it. Um, and I think that's really, really beautiful. Uh, so anyway, thank you for writing in. Thank you for asking a question. Hopefully that helps uh, other people who have been interested in it. We've had 
some people reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is it for We've Got Mail. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. A wonderful group of letters this week. Uh, we have always... Our email address is always open. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, we also have a P.O. Box. For people who prefer to write in a physical letter, we always try to make sure we open an episode with those if we have them. You can hear the paper the paper crinkle. <laughs> it's always a thrill. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, I said it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641-565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Do it today. <laughs> uh, and, of course, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. We have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash network. if you want even more shows with us. We have a lot of uh, material there, including all our yesterdays, our Star Trek podcast. We review every single Star Trek in order, and we just uh, wrapped we just, up season two of Next Generation. Finished season two, and we haven't, yeah. as of this recording, we haven't started season three yet, but that's but our next it's, episode. It's coming soon, and it just keeps chugging along, and it, it's going faster than I thought it would. I don't know why mm-hmm. it just feels that way. Uh, and we have our podcast, Only the Best. We review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture and Best International Feature at the Academy Awards, and we have a lot of other stuff as well. In fact, I mentioned Step Up. We're going to be starting a Patreon-exclusive Step Up podcast. That's right. In which we review all the movies and every episode of the television series. Exciting times. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. thank you to every one of our patrons. Thank you to everybody who, who opts to sign up. It means a lot to us. Uh, if you can't afford to sign up, please leave us a review wherever you find us. That really, really helps. Uh, and, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. <laughs>